Well, welcome back to the Know Your Numbers podcast. This is your host, Chris McCormick, and today's guest is Mr. Daniel White. He is a, a brother in Christ. He is a, a real estate investor, and he's looking to live out the Great Commission uh, through the marketplace. So, Daniel, I'd love to hear a little introduction, but first and foremost, welcome to the show, and, and thank you for being here. Thank you, Chris. Glad to be here. Really excited about it. Yeah. So if you don't mind just giving a, a more in-depth introduction, I know I usually uh, lead, but I know the guests can always give a better <laughs> better background on who they are and, and uh, what you do. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I can do that. So I live in Lexington, Kentucky with my wonderful wife and our two kids. Uh, Amelia is two years old and Isaiah is about nine months old. Uh, so we're just getting started with okay. our family. And it has been just a joy to be a father and husband. Uh, my wife's in ministry, and I am uh, background in construction and real estate. Mm. Awesome, awesome. And I guess that's a a good uh, introduction and a good segue into this conversation because one of the questions that I have for you, Daniel, is how uh, or when you realized that you could live out the Great Commission and and serve God without having to be directly involved in in ministry you know you hear of the pastors and a lot of people have that dream of being a pastor but oftentimes um there's other ways that that don't always get talked about yes um absolutely so it's a really kind of a long story for me so i don't know how much you want me to get into we'll do the whole thing <laughs> whole thing from the yeah. beginning yeah. all right so uh i really had a near-death experience as a baby Wow. And my sister was trying to help my mom uh, give me a bath, mm. and our water heater was broken. There was no scald guard, and heated up the water uh, really hot, put wow. me in, and I got third degree burns all over my body huh. and rushed to the hospital. Uh, my parents were amazing parents, and they had a great church community around them. And reached out to everybody they know, knew and said, hey, you know, pray for Daniel. He's, uh -huh. you know, in intensive care. The doctor comes in and says, yeah, you know, your your kid might survive. But if he does, it's going to be, you know, months in intensive care. And, you know, he's going to have multiple skin grafts all over his body. And the next day, the doctor comes in and is like, I don't know, like, what happened? but you can take your son home. He's fine. Mm. And I don't know if it's magic or what, but <laughs> it was just an incredible oh, story of, of, you know, God just healing my body. And, yeah. you know, and I, I guess he, you know, has a plan and a purpose for me. Wow. Um, grew up in, uh, in the church and really came into a personal relationship with God through Jesus when I was probably about or five. I was mm. very, very young. Yeah. And my sister, as soon as she, uh, she came to Christ, she immediately came to me and was like, I've got to share this news with you. This is incredible. <laughs> and so, you know, it was very much like a childlike faith. Yeah. And so really over the last, you know, 20, 25 years, I've been walking that out. And, and what does that look like in my life? And how do I become more like Christ? Mm -hmm. And how do, how do I live as a follower of Christ and, right. and, and everything? So then, uh, you know, grew up 
in a small town in uh, in southern Kentucky, mm-hmm. very small town, and really got interested in entrepreneurship and was always, you know, trying to think of ways to start businesses and how many lawns do I need to mow before I hire people mm-hmm. and uh, worked on a farm and worked in construction, uh, got an opportunity when I was nine to help a contractor who was building my family's house. And he was just a great guy and slowed down and just explained how he was doing everything and really allowed me to be like, feel like I was part of the process. And, you know, I'd come and help pick up tools and, mm-hmm. and do anything that I could just to be a part of, of that group and really learn from them and, and see what they were doing. And so the same thing happened about a year or two later when he built my uncle's house on the same family farm. And so I got an opportunity to work more and actually get paid that time. (laughs) I think that was one of my first uh, paid jobs when I was 11. And so work and making money was always a part of growing up. And then, you know, learning those construction skills, I was able to do independent contract work for friends and family, Hmm. Uh, you know, started buying my own, you know, bike and car and, Hmm. you know, just, you know, things as, as a teenager and being very independent. And I, I got an opportunity to enter an entrepreneurship contest at a local college when I was about 17. Hmm. And I entered the competition, came up with a unique business concept and wrote the business plan and presented it to the panel of judges. Hmm. And they're like, Oh my goodness, like this is really a good idea. And you need to start this. I'm like, okay, well, what do I do next? You know? Uh, and so I end up uh, getting a coach and uh, there was a program that offered free entrepreneurship coaching. And I was able to launch the business and, you know, learn the process and everything. And it was really, really educational. I feel like mm-hmm. I got probably more, uh, more knowledge from just that one year of running the business mm-hmm. than I got from, you know, or I would have gotten from like four years of, uh, of business school. Right. right. Well, I was actually doing it and, you know, seeing, yep. seeing what the market uh, was, how it was, how it was reacting and everything. So, you know, 17 years old, I'm working a part-time job, finishing, mm-hmm. uh, finishing high school, running this business and out of the blue, God just calls me to move to Chicago and do mission work. And I'm like, uh, that's, you know, completely out of left field. Like yep. that, you know, that wasn't even on my radar. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody in Chicago. <laughs> I've got all these plans. Like this is where I'm going. And just throughout the week, he wouldn't just let me forget about it. I was yeah. constantly like, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to obey and I'm going to see what happens. Yeah. And so I tell my parents at the end of the week and I'm like, I really feel like God's calling me to do this. I don't know why, but I'm going to obey. And so uh, they had some connections up there and were able to get me connected to somebody. And I packed my car, drove up to Chicago. You know, this is this is a a kid from a small town in in, you know, rural Kentucky. Mm hmm going into the you know inner city and I'm like driving in. I'm like, this is kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and 
thankfully, you know, everything went really well. And I lived up there for about four months and did prison ministry. Mm. And that's a whole story in and of itself, going into yeah. all the prisons in, right. in Illinois, speaking in front of a bunch of inmates Ooh. and sharing the gospel with them and, and sharing like what we did in the program and stuff. Uh, but ended up running a food pantry and helping them with job training and equipping them as they came out of prison and would really do life on life discipleship with them. And through that process, I got a chance to really talk and, and see firsthand how difficult it was for people who started ministries like that to get funded. Mm. And I had, you know, a lot of conversations with the director of the ministry there and she just talked about how she had all these ideas for expanding the ministry and impacting people and changing lives and changing even communities. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, that's incredible. But she's like, I can't get funded. And I've been trying and, you know, all these different uh, struggles with with funding. I don't know the right people. You know, my story or you know, her story was really uh, kind of the same as these inmates. You know, she was in and out of prison, rough childhood in drugs, all this stuff. And God saved her when she was in prison and helped her you know, get out of prison and really, you know, restart her life. Uh-huh. And, and so, you know, she had no connections in uh, affluent, you know, people that could fund her or anything like that. And so that really, I think planted the first seed in my mm-hmm. mind for, for what, you know, started to grow. And so I just, you know, started praying Lord, how do I fit into your plan? And how do I get involved in what you're doing? And how do I utilize the skills and interests that you've given me? Yep. Because you really gave me a lot of interest in entrepreneurship, starting businesses, right? And so I started to think about, okay, how can I start businesses that really have an impact and fund these ministry opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh you know, fast forward, I end up going to University of Kentucky for mm-hmm. mechanical engineering because I'm like, well, you know, this mechanical engineering fits, you know, my mechanical mindset mm-hmm. and construction, you know, all these things. Uh, and ended up meeting my wife there at a campus ministry, which wow. was incredible. Yep. Uh, but other than mm-hmm. that, um, I really didn't get much out of college. You know, I didn't really fit, didn't really love it. Uh, it was very difficult, very challenging academically, but I started looking at the job opportunities and I was like, man, I really don't think I'll like these job opportunities. And I'm running out of, uh, cash to spend on college. Cause I didn't want to go into debt and was just using my savings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so got to the point where I decided it was a good opportunity to drop out and start my own business. And of course Start a construction company. Yeah, uh, went kind of back to what I knew and uh, ended up growing that construction company over the next five years. And through that process, I started to learn how to hire people and how to manage people mm-hmm. and you know how to do customer service and all of these components. And we started to do some ministry within the context of the business with the employees and, you know, serving, serving our clients and things like that. And I got an opportunity to get involved in a Christian business man uh, group, I guess, Mm -hmm. in Lexington and started to 
to meet different people and learn more about Christian business and kind of the intersection of our faith mm-hmm. and our business, right? Yeah. And through that, I got an opportunity to hear an incredible story from Alan Barnhart. He came, uh, came up to Lexington and spoke one day, and I just heard, uh, so uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with Alan Barnhart, uh, he owns Barnhart Crane and Rigging mm-hmm. in Memphis, Tennessee. And it's become this uh, national uh, company, Crane and Rigging Company. And they are, uh, you know, his, his story is really when, uh, when he was young, I think around maybe 25, he and his brother started the company. They were going to go into missions uh, or in, into business, and they, they couldn't really decide, but they felt like they were called to business. Uh, and they ended up doing about a year-long Bible study on wealth and the dangers of wealth and some of the, the, the pitfalls, right? Mm-hmm. And they really wanted to make sure that they were running their business biblically um, but that they wouldn't fall prey to really the worshiping money and worshiping wealth and things like that. Wow. So they, you know, they came away from this study uh, realizing that, you know, God owns it all. Mm-hmm. It truly is his, even, even the, um, the ability to make and, and earn wealth is something that he's given us. Right. right. So it's truly his. And, uh, and we don't need to raise our standard of living. Uh, we need to raise our standard of giving. Mm. And so uh, the third thing was that they needed accountability in their life to really be able to hold themselves uh, to these things. Uh, but, you know, long story short, they start the business, run it, you know, I guess over the last 30 years into, you know, this multi-billion dollar company now. Mm. And they... Uh, they ended up giving, so along the way, they would give 50% of the profits to missions, wow. and then the other 50%, they would reinvest into the business. And they ended up now, they've actually given the entire company away into mm-hmm. uh, into a like an NCF account. Um, and And so it's or irrevocable trust maybe, yep. but they've really like given it away. And so it, it will continue to fund uh, different missions and things like that. Wow. So anyway, I, you know, I hear this story and hmm. get to talk to him and, and he recommends a book called the treasure principle and it's by Randy Alcorn. And it just really talks about in there about how, uh, you know, we, we really, worship money and worship wealth and worldly success mm-hmm. and it becomes our our god and we mm-hmm. replace god with that and that's mm-hmm. how we find our security you know in our money and you know we find um we find our identity in being successful and mm-hmm. all of these things right and so it really changed the way that i did business and really saw an opportunity to be even more generous Mm-hmm. and and starting really to pursue God's kingdom instead of my kingdom. And, you know, part of starting these businesses was like, man, I can be successful. I can grow this business. I can, I can you know, have all this wealth and be able to be in control. Because that was a big thing for me is, 
is like being in control, not so I could do bad things, but so that I can do what I want to do maybe in a good way. Right. Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, that was kind of the, the start of the process of God really changing my heart on building my own kingdom and being in control to giving him full control of my life. Mm. And I feel like I was like 70 or 80% surrendered to God. Yeah. And he started putting in this idea in my mind uh, through a lot of uh, discipleship and mentoring from really amazing uh, mentors and pastors. He started putting this idea in my mind that like, maybe like, what if I gave a hundred percent, you know, what not, not. Yeah. So what if I went in all in for God's kingdom? Yeah. Right. Like if I held nothing back, if I said, God, you own everything that I have, you own everything that I am, you created me. I want to fully surrender my entire life to you. And I want to, I want to do your will fully. And, you know, I think it took several months, if not years for me to go from what if mm. I did this and I went a hundred percent in to actually like, you know, praying a prayer and saying, God, I surrender everything to you and I am all in it for your mm. kingdom. And I think even maybe, you know, it took, yeah, I think it even took years, you know, to get to that, to that point. And it was, it was really incredible. Um, yeah. And so, you know, in the construction company, I'm running the construction company and we start making some money and we're like, okay, how do we in, invest this in something that's really, truly going to matter? <laughs> and so we start looking at the stock market and we're like, yeah, we don't like that. You know, there's no, like, we don't have any control over the value. Mm. Um, and we start looking into real estate mm. and we're like, oh man, this seems to really fit because, you know, one, it's, uh, it's, we can kind of control the value mm -hmm. because we have, you know, our team of construction guys, we can, we can remodel, we can do this and that, uh, it's tangible. So yeah. I can see it, you know, I can touch it, feel it. It's really, I'm, I'm a very like hands-on person. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's really, that was really helpful. And then, uh, you know, everybody needs a place to stay. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it really, uh, drew us in. And mm -hmm. so, uh, we started, uh, flipping houses and we, uh, we start flipping houses like during the winter time when our, when our construction company slow, you know, mm -hmm. to try to fill in and stuff. And then we're like, okay, we need to move to longer term investing and long term hold, right? So we start buying rental property and burring it and uh, and doing that. And we're like, okay, this makes a lot more sense. And and now what happens is, you know, we would buy the property and once we got it cash flowing, then we'd actually give away the cash flow. And mm -hmm. so 100% of the cash flow would go to our missionaries. Wow. And then, you know, the long-term equity growth then would just be a long-term financial investment for us. And so we really liked that model because we could, you know, give more and more each year. We could fund more missionaries. We could have more impact uh, through those missionaries. And 
we were like, okay, you know, we're doing this on a little scale just with, you know, a few properties and stuff. And, you know, what if we just created a model or a way that we could help others do this that don't have to be active in real estate? They can be passive. They can, you know, they might have the money, but they don't have the time or the energy or the knowledge to Mm -hmm. create all of these um, investment opportunities, right? And so that's where God is really leading us now is he seems to be showing us that we're just a very small piece of the puzzle and that we're not, we're trying to do everything. And it's like, no, you just need to focus on, you know, what I've called you to. And so he's given us this vision for creating a fund that would allow, you know, thousands of people to pool their resources together, Hmm. uh, acquire apartment uh, communities and use the cash flow from that to then fund different mission organizations around the world. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. So are you guys giving a hundred percent of your cash flow at this time to missions or currently we are? Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Man, I was going to ask like what that looks like is that cuz you said 100% in on on God and that that's just about it is just giving all the cash that you bring in. So the the way that I look at it is and this goes back to the question in our mind where you know we ask what can we invest in that will truly matter. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to think long term. And so we want to invest in things that are, will truly matter. And if you think as a Christian, if you think long term, Hmm. that's eternal, right? Mm -hmm. That's not just like, hey, you know, I'm thinking 10 years out. No, you know, it's not even thinking generationally. It's thinking eternally, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking eternally, what are the only things that are going to last in eternity? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The more people that we can bring the gospel to, the more people that we can bring into the kingdom Mm -hmm. to live in eternity with us in heaven, worshiping God, that's really the only thing that's going to matter. Yep. Amen. And so we were like, okay, by investing this, you know, cash, this paper, we can buy these rental properties, use the cash flow to sustainably fund different mission organizations around the world Mm -hmm. who are sharing the gospel with, hundreds of thousands of people and, you know, inviting them into the kingdom. Like what right. better way to invest in there? Yeah. I, I don't know. No. Like, That's uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't lay up treasures here on earth, lay them up in heaven. I think that sounds, sounds right, right on cue there. Exactly. Uh, but, but I was reading that actually uh, two days ago and I was reading through it and I was like, man, like we just always read over this verse and we're like, man, you know, yeah, that's cool and everything, but we don't take it seriously. Right. Really don't live like that. Right. And what's cool is if you look at it, if you think about it, uh, you know, if you're looking at a real estate operator or something and you want to vet them, right. Mm -hmm. You look at their track record, right. You're working with somebody, you look at their track record. If you're hiring somebody, you look at their track record. Mm -hmm. Right. So do they actually deliver what they promise? Mm Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of how you gauge somebody. Right. Well, check this out. So for thousands of years, God has promised in the Old mm-hmm. Testament, makes promises 
and then he delivers. He makes promises and then he delivers. And there's so many prophecies in the Old Testament that have come true in the New Testament. And it's like, okay, God is the most reputable possible source. And and Jesus himself died and rose from the dead. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't think there's, well, there isn't, there isn't anybody else that you should trust more than that. Right. Right. And he's saying that you need to store up your treasure in heaven. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm I need to start listening to him. Like that's, that's legit. Like, I don't know. It's, it's silly that we don't take him seriously. And like, even his literal words, like I'm reading through, um, like the Beatitudes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, wait, what you said this, like yeah. it's opposite of our like human logic. If that right. makes sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so it's really, yeah. really neat. And so when you start living like that, it's like, man, this is, this is wild. And yeah. this, this is kingdom impact. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so over the last year or so, since we really went in on this full time and are building relationships around the country and meeting incredible uh, kingdom-minded real estate investors, operators, people who have thousands of units and really have done this for decades and have the experience and the track record, mm-hmm. you know, we want to partner with them and work with them so we can really bring a team together to accomplish mm-hmm. this. And, and through that process, we've been able to, to meet these incredible people with these awesome stories. And so one of the things that we're doing is we realize that not a lot of people get to see how God's economy works Mm -hmm. and how there are tons of people around the world that are investing in God's economy, uh, doing incredible things for God and, and really uh, in the business world, in the real estate world, they're using their business investments to further the kingdom. Right. And so because of, you know, hearing Alan Barnhart's story early on and not really changing my trajectory, mm-hmm. I want to share those stories with other people. Uh-huh. And so we're getting ready at the end of this month to launch a podcast called the Kingdom Investor Podcast. Yep. <laughs> it's going to share those stories with, you know, whoever wants to listen. Right. And really, you know, try to unpack like, okay, how did God transform your life? What did that look like? How were you, uh, you know, successful in business? And a lot of these people are, you know, incredibly successful in business. Mm-hmm. And then they realize that it's not fulfilling. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they get to the, you know, super wealthy yep. status and they're like, wait a second, like God's calling me to, into something so much greater. Let me pursue that. Mm-hmm. But then they use their skill, their business, their ability and, and their treasure earthly treasure to invest in God's kingdom and to have so much more treasure in heaven. Hmm. And so, you know, we just want to highlight those showcase those and meet more people like that. And, you know, be allow business owners and people who are uh, maybe not as far along in the process, see that and be able to grow in generosity and impact Hmm. more lives and really, you know, start to think, about building a godly legacy that really lasts. Wow, that's amazing. And 
and it's honorable. It's so it's encouraging. I'm I'm curious as to how you go about uh, getting getting in touch with these guys. Are they just people that you've met along the way, or what's your what's your um, tactic when it comes to networking and meeting these godly men? <laughs> yeah, and women? so that that's a good question. A lot of it's just been hustle and like you know I meet one person and I'm like, okay, who's the most uh, incredible person you met? And yeah. then and then I meet them and then I meet, you know, that next person, and the next person, and the next person, and the next person, and the next person, and, the next person. Wow. and just meeting, meeting, meeting. And, you know, it helps that I'm, that I'm going after a goal mm-hmm. that is way bigger than myself and right. really ultimately completing the great commission is, is really the, the vision that I've set is mm-hmm. okay. What? So you know, my wife and I go, go and look at, okay, what can we invest our lives in that will truly matter, right? Mm-hmm. For all eternity. And, you know, we start reading the Bible and more thoroughly and look at, okay, what is God calling us to do? Right. And, you know, Jesus himself tells us, go and make disciples mm-hmm. of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm and teaching them all that I have commanded you. Mm. And that's the last command that he gives us. And it's really a mission statement, Mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, 2000 years ago, he gives us that and we still haven't completed it. Right. And so it's like, okay, you know, let's look into that and see, you know, why we haven't completed it. And so, you know, uh, we've been researching and learning a ton about the great commission we have incredible friends uh, in uh, in different mission opportunities mm-hmm. and organizations around the world, and are starting to meet more and more. And I've been on um, two mission trips this year, uh, one to uh, Central Asia, a country I'm not allowed to talk about because um, <laughs> it's cl- a close country, wow. uh, and then one uh, to Panama more recently. Mm-hmm. But we're, what we're learning is that there are over 3 billion people that don't have any access to the gospel. And, you know, when, when we say, uh, you know, they don't have any access to the gospel, it's, they don't have any friends who are believers. Mm -hmm. They don't have any churches in their community. Um, They don't sometimes even have any Bible in their own uh, language. And so they are truly unreached. Mm -hmm. And so, um, there are, uh, there are numerous countries that there are, that are unreached uh-huh. and most of the people groups that are unreached live in the 1040 window, uh, from North Africa all the way to South Asia. Um, it's, uh, the last oh, yeah. year, uh, 1040 window. Yep. So if you, yeah, if you look it up, uh, but within that area, what we found is within that area, 90% of all unreached people live and only 1% of our missions funding globally goes to those areas. And so it's a huge imbalance. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, okay, uh, you know, from, from the giving side, you know, once we generate this funding and everything, how do we allocate it well around the world and then who do we partner with 
and give to mm-hmm. that is effectively reaching those unreached people groups. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the other piece of the puzzle that we have to solve is, you know, we've got kind of this model for generating sustainable giving, but then once we generate that, where do we give globally? And then who do we partner with? Mm-hmm. And so those are the other two pieces that we're working on so that we can create this cohesive model where somebody can really just plug and play and they can say, Hey, I'm going to, you know, drop a hundred thousand dollar investment into this vehicle. And it's going to be producing thousands of dollars to these specific ministries in these specific countries to really reach these most needed areas Mm -hmm. globally. Wow. That's incredible. I've, uh, I've seen that area mapped out on a map and I was, it's actually at the church that we're going to here. And I'm just like curious as to what it resembles, but now you're, you're making it clear that that's the, uh, the area that needs, needs the gospel. And Daniel, I think that's such a, a good, uh, way to close. Cause I really think we take for granted here in America, just how prevalent the gospel is. And, and like the, the problem is a lot of people have been raised up with, the message but they don't have the the relationship that it takes that the the life-changing um impact that the gospel has and and so it's uh encouraging to to hear about these i mean it's yeah i'd say encouraging to hear about these unreached areas because that's like that that just puts it in perspective how much we have at our fingertips here in america and all over the developed uh nations and so I guess, Daniel, anybody that's listening, how can they get in contact with you? How can they they help you? I mean, any closing thoughts? Because we do have people that aren't necessarily believers in the audience. So I don't know if you have any wisdom to impart before we close this thing up. (laughs) Well, I would say uh, when you start anything, begin with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. Like, what is the purpose? Why Mm -hmm. are you doing it? And get really clear on that before you get into it, because if you do something and then it's like, well, uh, you know, I use the analogy of you, you don't want to spend your life climbing a ladder only to realize at the top that it's leaning against the wrong building. Mm. Yep. So find your, find the right building, right. 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 You know, get to climbing. Wow. That's so good. And yeah, that's a, something I've been hearing a lot more of. So that might be God speaking to me is just be, check yourself every once in a while especially when you're reading the bible because yeah you do ponder on some of those verses especially the ones about money you're like no that's that's not i've heard this before not really me but then you you read it a second or a third time and you're like oh wait there's a there's a lot more to this so that's awesome well so chris to kind of answer your question so uh one of the big things for finishing the great commission in this generation which i believe is possible Mm -hmm. is unity and bringing everyone together and working together to accomplish this because this is the biggest you know goal ever right yeah right probably the most life-changing thing that we could possibly do Mm -hmm. and so i am willing to meet with anybody uh to talk to you know help uh if i can connect them uh, i'm becoming this uh, connector where i can plug people in to where they fit um and help them meet the right people yeah Uh, if they want to reach out to me with email uh, it's Daniel at the kingdom mm-hmm. And then our podcast that we're launching is the kingdom investor podcast uh-huh. and just got our social media pages up. Uh, we've got Facebook, Instagram, uh, we're launching a YouTube channel and then we have LinkedIn. So 
That's awesome, man. And yeah, I'll be sure to link all that in the show notes. Um, and listeners, be sure to reach out to Daniel. He's a, a wealth of knowledge and he's just doing God's work literally here on earth. So Daniel, it's a pleasure. Uh, before we hang up, man, I do ask one final question to all our guests here on the Know Your Numbers podcast, and that is, Daniel White, what is one truth about money that most people regard as myth? Ooh, one truth about money. And the, the classic one, you know, would be that, you know, money, money would buy happiness. Mm. Um, you know, that's a little cliche, but I think, I think the, the thing is that money is, can be used by Satan to really draw us away from God. And, and because we don't, realize the risk uh, that money can play in our own heart mm. uh, we kind of overlook that and so you know I would I would really say that you know a, as entrepreneurs as business owners as investors we really need to check our heart with how we relate to money mm. and you know, money's neutral, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily good or bad, but more often than not, we can, uh, we can worship money in, you know, finding security, finding identity, uh, finding purpose, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, power in money. And so it's, 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 I think it's probably the, most prevalent false god that we worship mm -hmm. and it's the most accepted especially in america it's the yeah. most accepted and probably uh the most common mm -hmm. and so if you think about you know we're you know people warn you against hey don't you know don't abuse alcohol or you know don't do drugs or whatever and it's like those are obvious right yeah. because you see the effects but it's harder to see the effects of money uh, and I think since money is so highly praised and worshiped in our culture, uh, we don't really notice that it's mm -hmm. a false god. Yeah. That's so good. I would, uh, I'd stand in agreement with you. And it, there's a reason that Jesus talked about it more than anything else. And it's the most exactly. yes. <laughs> topic in the Bible. So Daniel, man, what a pleasure it is. What an honor it is to, to have you on. And, um, I'm just excited to see what, what God has in store for you and, your business and your family. And um, to the listeners out there, we thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out Daniel on all things social media. We'll link all his contact information in the show notes. But in the meantime, keep doing God's work out there and uh, stay blessed. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much. My pleasure, brother.